Welcome to another Making an Impression, The Sketches. The remarkable Christina Bianco joined us all the way from the hustle and bustle of New York. And from steady old Oxfordshire, we had the wonderful Rory Bremner. We discussed when to use caricature impressions and when more accuracy is required. Why Rory deliberately used to muck up his monologues on his seminal Channel 4 series. And Christina walks us through the many key changes necessary to pull off several female vocalists before demonstrating her extraordinary skills in a sketch. Two more sketches for you as well, and of course some truly amazing impressions. Enjoy. I'm Simon Lipson. I'm delighted to welcome all the way from uh, New York. Hey, how you doing over there? It's, hey, um, I'm doing okay. It's, it's Christina <laughs> Bianco. How are you doing, Christina? How could I not chime in with that? It was such a good introduction. Everybody's happy here. You know what? <laughs> so how are things with you over in uh, New York? It, it, everything's uh, well. Uh, things are starting to, to move uh, again in the city. Um, that the weather's a little bit warmer. Everybody's outside. You know, we're not used to the very European outdoor eating and all of the restaurants here uh, since the winter have had licenses to have uh, street uh, seating. And so I personally love that. That's been a nice positive thing to come out of this. So yeah, yeah the city is, is kind of in, not in the best shape, but at least it gives the illusion of being fabulous with this outdoor dining now. So I'll take I'll take what I can get. <laughs> there's, there's a certain kind of lifting of tension somehow. I think, that, uh, well, let, let's let's raise that with our other guest all the way from Oxfordshire, uh, somewhere <laughs> out in the countryside um, uh, among fields and cows and sheep. Yes. It's uh, Rory Bremner. Hi, Rory. How you doing? You OK? They speak like this in Oxfordshire now. Did you know this? Everybody speaks like so, that. You know? That's just great, you know, what you're going to do about it. So, yeah, it's lovely here. But, yeah, they thought of the outdoor eating thing. My daughter was up in London the other And the whole streets, apparently, you know, like where there are restaurants, because they realise that that's the only way they can do it at the moment is outside. Yeah. And we have this. We did have there all about six people from two families, which was Boris Johnson's children, essentially. <laughs> Those rules are very confusing, even for me trying to follow along. But, yeah, we're still not at 50% over here maybe maybe we're just at 50 percent seating so yeah, yeah the outdoor is is saving lots of restaurants and businesses so it's a good yeah. thing it's a it's such an odd time isn't it and it's uh, it's a shame that all, all three of us we well actually rory and christina you've met haven't you worked together yes yeah. absolutely yeah we did the the imitation game which I loved so much. I know it was ex- it was really exciting because uh, John Naismith was was uh, producing it, and Graham Garden was the kind of the godfather of it. And um, it was you know it was an idea waiting to happen. It was, let's bring the impressionists together and let's make a show out of it. How can we you know find a format? And I really liked it. It's like so many things, it did the first series, and there was so many things that could be picked up on. It was because it was recorded such a long time ahead of broadcast. I think you know it, it sat on the shelf for for nine months or more. Right. And, you know, it, we could have made it more topical. We could have made it a bit or um, janter, sort of banter and a bit more spontaneous between the guests. All of those things that you could you iron out after our first series. But 
So I think, you know, I think it could have, you know, it could have really taken off. And you've proved, Simon, in this series, which, you know, if, if you're just dipping in for the first time, I recommend sort of going through the back catalogue of this particular series, you know, and the making impressions beforehand. Um, because, you know, you've, you've proved there's, there's an audience out there and there are impressionists who love to meet up and work together because we kind of, I don't think, I don't sense huge competitiveness. I mean, uh, we talked about this the other day, Christina. I don't know. There's a sense a bit, you know, where some people, some people if they get a really good voice, um, I just sort of back off. I think, God, you know, they, they kind of own that and um you know so many you just came over and christy I, I think you did the last show and just smashed it and we were thinking what have we been doing for the last five shows um because suddenly we had <laughs> oh, so sound and we had minnelli and we had all of it um it was just brilliant thank you so much for that compliment because it was it was a huge honor for me to be on that show working with you and so many other impressionists who i have idolized and really from afar from from the US and I always I, I said it then and I'll say it now you I think your culture of respecting and and celebrating and utilizing impressionists is so much stronger in the UK particularly with all the radio series you have using voice work but for me I will say is very when when you told me what we'd be doing today Simon you're like you're gonna read these sketches you're gonna read them cold you're only gonna get them like a little bit beforehand and I was like oh my gosh this is like when I did the imitation game we're like we're gonna throw some scripts at you and then you show up the day of and it's totally different scripts and impressions I have never done and all of a sudden everyone's like right you have to do Katie Price and I was like listen I have not done that on purpose. <laughs> so many people do Katie Price. So many people do it well. I went, I'm just not going to do it, exactly like you said. And then it was like, no, we need you to do it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, last minute. Thank goodness I had the the most gracious and wonderful Deborah Stevenson to be like, no, you keep, keep lower your mouth. Just, just don't move. Like she was trying to <laughs> oh. telling me how to hold my mouth to do it. And it was the one bit. As soon as I finished it, I said, they're going to want to do that over because that was absolutely rubbish. And it was the one bit. They're like, we're going to do your Katie Price again. Excuse me. They were like, we're going to do your Katie Price again. So <laughs> I was like, no offense uh, taken. It was crap. So, we did. Oh, one, but that's what happens. So yeah. it certainly prepped me for today a little bit. At least this time, it's not, you know, the pressure of also having camera and lights in your face. So, so I'm, I'm ready for anything after that. I had that in show one because we did a, we, had a suggestion of doing um you know a bit like blind date where people had to th there were three impre three people obviously the other side of the curtain two impressionists and the real person we thought it'd be really good fun to see you know how close can you get and would you fool somebody and show one was luke kempner who does a brilliant christopher biggins and i've never done christopher biggins before and so and i thought oh god but rather like this you know if you're kind of willing to kind of show that you're not going to get your impressions bang on every time and there are some people who are you know better than others at it and um it was brilliant luke was so good that deborah actually picked him out as the real christopher biggins i don't know what biggins thought about it but it kind of it was it was it was cool and i just look at it i looked at it back the other day and i thought oh my god that's a terrible christopher biggins rory um but the joy of the moment was 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 that moment when deborah went it's number two. And we said, oh, no, hang on. And you've yeah. earned it. I mean, again, you can, we all, and I'm going to put myself in this category only because you allowed me to be on your show. But when people say, hey, this person's good at this, we're giving them a platform to perform these impressions, then that's when you go, all right, so I'm going to, I'm going to nail the ones I nail and give a, give a, you know, best shot at the ones that I've never done or that I'm not as comfortable with. And, and, you know, if someone watches it and goes, oh, that was, that was awful. You know, you're never going to please anybody. Even your best impression somebody could think is rubbish. So you just have to go with the flow. And that's been a whole thing for me the past few years. I'm very organized, like to be a perfectionist. And that's that's not what everybody wants. It's certainly not the wave of the world with instant things. And they want to see it live and they want it to be real. And 
and those those YouTube videos that that got me recognition and sort of brought me to a certain level of fame, they were sloppy as can be. All the best stuff I've ever done, nobody watches. But the the stuff that's off the cuff and a little sloppy, those are the ones that went viral. Yeah. I used to deliberately mess up in my monologues because if you deliver a monologue and you deliver it well, then the audience kind of, they sit back and they kind of expect it to go really well. But if you kind of make a mistake early on or sort of you know, trip up over a couple of things, they sort of get behind you. They say, come on, we can will you through this. And suddenly the audience is much more engaged and on your side. And then I realized that up in the gallery, they were taking bets on how many, t- how many words I'd get into the monologue before I deliberately <laughs> cocked up. And they were, they were running a book on it. It was crazy. They said, no, seven words. Nine, oh, we lost that. I was the last one to know about it. But healthy manipulation. Yeah, that it's not always the worst thing in the world to show people how we do what we do, and it's and it's not also it's and it's not a given that you're going to get every voice. It's kind of what we're doing here, um, because I think it's a it's a slightly slightly arcane art form, and that uh, what we were trying to do with the early shows was not just to sort of say, well, go on, do. Go on, do somebody. It was, how are you doing somebody? What are you doing? Which bit of your throat, which bit of your mouth are you using? How are you projecting that sound? How do you find that accent? And I think actually it's, it's and also for me as, a, as a, an ex-professional impressionist, to, to hear how... <laughs> to hear You're how still other, a professional. <laughs> well, to hear, not, no one's paying me anymore. Um, but to hear how other people do it, you know, because we've all got our own methods... Uh, you know, some of us start with an instinctive ability to just hear something and reproduce it. Others need to forensically kind of get down and dirty with every element of a voice and every nuance, every tick. And I think it's been a fascinating study in, in this art form. And I'll tell you what we're going to do. I think we'll get cracking with sketch one, which is written by a chap called Brad Holcomb. And uh, Brad got in touch with me a while ago. He's uh, submitted some sketches. I like this one. It's called The Wizard of Boz. Well, I, I think I think I know you. I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to know who's paid for this. Who's paid for this? Well, I need to declare it in, in the register of members' interest. <laughs> yeah. um, so we've got Dorothy, which is going to be played. Who's going to be played by Christina? We've got a, a, a scarecrow. I suppose I'll pl- I'll play scarecrow because there's only one line. And then we have a wizard who at some point will transform into some other character. Worries tip tip just the wink on that. Um, so this <laughs> <Spoiler> is, <alert. laughs> this is yes. so this is um I don't even know what this is. It's a scarecrow is an American I don't know how he spoke in the film. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to make a voice up. Um, <laughs> make one up. So this is by uh, the the Wizard of Boz by Brad Holcomb. Here we go. <laughs> oh, oh scarecrow, we we did it. We actually did it. We did, Dorothy, and I finally get my new brain. Come on, guys, let's get in there. Who dares interrupt? Sorry, <laughs> I misread this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who dares interrupt the great and powerful Oz Midwank? Um, it's Dorothy, sir. We've done what you asked and have come for everything you promised us. Scarecrow's brain, Tin Man's heart... Lion's courage, and and for me, just to go home. Ah, yes. Come over to the curtain. I have some bad news. Who are you? I I am the great Oz. Uh, This is is how I look, actually. That that thing is just a hologram and a a sort of voice thingy. Oh, well, it's a bit of a letdown. 
I, I uh, indeed, indeed, indeed. And, and about, about those things that I, I promised you, unfortunately, uh, we do not have the budget anymore. If indeed we ever did, uh, it's not going to happen, I'm afraid. Well, but, but, but we defeated the witch and, and stopped her from terrorizing Oz. Uh, yeah, yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you get uh, special treatment. Well, well, this is bullshit. Ah, but what I can do is I can get the people out of, uh, I can get the people of Emerald City to clap you on your way out. Clap? Yes, it'll give Lions some confidence, uh, make Scarecrow think he's done something clever, make Tin Man feel warm and loved, and you, uh, well, well, uh, maybe you can, uh, you can pretend it's Uncle Henry's balls slapping against Auntie Em's chin. Oh, well, you're an asshole. Well, well, that I may be, but at least I'm an asshole that gets to go home in my brand new hot air balloon. But, but. Au revoir, suckers. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> You know you said about don't read the sketches before. <laughs> I got to the end of that <laughs> sentence. Who dares interrupt the great and powerful Oz mid... And I, what? Mid what? I know. <laughs> and of course, the generic deep, powerful voice. The NEM voice. line I wasn't ready for. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the generic deep, powerful voice. The first thing comes into your mind is Brian Blessed! For some strange and unaccountable reason! Just as a, a side uh, note, we had Kate O'Sullivan on the show. We've had her on a couple of times. And she was telling me a story of um, uh, when she was in a studio with Brian Blessed in another, another booth, another studio, another booth, and they could still hear him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the whole place is soundproofed and you could still hear him. Th- thank you. That was I really enjoyed that. I don't know why. What is it about human beings that giggle at things like mid-wank and... Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, Uncle Henry's ball slapping against Auntie M's chin. I mean, I, it's so it's so puerile and yet so charmingly funny. That was really good. Uh, we, what, did, what did you make of that sketch, you two? Christina? <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it's so funny. You know, I had to remember really, for me, and again, my, my, my Dorothy impression is not perfect. It's sort of the generic sort of, well, I want to go home with Toto, generic voice. A lot of people that do Dorothy always go really high. But if you listen to the movie, again, we, we exaggerate. We, 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 we pull it. We, we make it sort of that covered sort of falsetto that she does. And so when you do that, you pitch it higher. It's more comedic. But uh, I did watch one little clip of the movie that I know so well, just to refresh my memory. And, and she was really quite quiet about the whole thing. And so I, I just tried to keep it lower. It was my only thing. I thought, go lower. But now that I did it, I think I should have gone higher as it went on because she's getting more incredulous and more upset. So I should have been like, well, you're an asshole! At the end, I probably should have <laughs> taken it up more. But that, that would be my first round of notes for myself. <laughs> Sometimes the comedy is better than the accuracy. Well, but that's the notes that we do because we, we've talked about this before. That in a sense, you know, when you when you go for the accuracy of an impression, it is that much tighter and it's that it's, it's more accurate and it's more more real. But then, as you relax and you play with it a bit more, two things happen. Firstly, it develops an energy; it becomes your character. And secondly, you know, it has a life of its own, and it, it's 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 got lot more life it's it's livelier and it's it's more this is you know years ago when chris barry was uh, uh who did a lot of impressions on splitting image and then went on to the british empire and other things and he was brought in to do russell harty for an advertising firm and he did it um and then they brought in the real russell harty for the proper campaign and when he'd done it once they said no that's that doesn't sound anything like russell harty and he said, well, but I am, but I am Russell Harty. Uh, and it was because Chris's had so much more energy. So it's interesting yeah. about how an impressionist yeah. you start off and all the time, because you obviously, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, want to be a perfectionist, as many of us are, you want to get it right. But getting it right, as you were saying just then, getting it right as, as Judy Garland was in the movie is, is accurate. 
but it's kind of it's not as fun as you it's as, limiting as, as, as you ended up at the end when you were, when yeah. you were having fun with it yeah yeah it, it does remind me of a story i probably told this before on the show but i can't remember because i'm old um but i was called <laughs> in to do i was called in to do david mitchell uh, for an advert, you know, a, a, a kind of one of these a voice guide type type things. And um, so they said, you know, can you do David Mitchell? Oh, I can do, oh, yes, I can do sort of a David Mitchell, something like that, you know. So, so and I said, um, I got to the studio and they said, uh, I said, who's doing web? And they said, uh, web is doing web. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So I went up into the studio with um, David Mitchell's longtime partner and had to be his, wow. uh, you know, had to be Mitchell. He loved it, actually. And I didn't, you know, I did it in cartoon fashion, really, probably in a way that <laughs> David, David Mitchell wouldn't. And it's great fun, but it's, it's enormous pressure doing that. But you, that's so interesting, that, isn't it? The way that we, as impressionists, often approach a voice. If you go for complete accuracy you can lose comedy you can lose life in the voice um, and that's i think that's mostly what we're doing isn't it we're, we're we're playing up those aspects of a voice that that make it stand out but then we're giving something giving it something else because we're trying to achieve something it's the difference in a portrait and a caricature mm. isn't it because yeah, you, so. a portrait yeah. you go yes that looks like them but a caricature goes yes that's right he does have a nose like that he does have a yeah. you're all going into yes. a cartoon world almost mm. and yeah I think particularly you know when you talk about spitting image or, or perhaps you know the satire things you know caricature is what you're you're developing into as opposed to going in the other direction which is acting when you get somebody like a Michael Sheen or whatever who uh, or even Steve Coogan who now he mm. kind of he, he doesn't like the idea of being an impressionist he thinks no. he wants to take it into uh, and yet he did it he did a wonderful um you know stan laurel of course yes. in that it, in that movie he was brilliant in that christina do you think i mean i we, we've all done you know we've all been on on stage on our own with the microphone lights in our faces and we're trying to do we're trying to be funny for me i always had dif different approaches to different voices uh, because there were some voices I perhaps couldn't do as well, but I could do the I could do the cartoon voice really you know, much better for comedic effect. I mean, so that mm. there would be voices where I could only do. I mean, I, I did this last last week <laughs> with my Peter Beardsley, and uh, which won't mean much to Christina, I'm guessing. But Peter Beardsley totally not, and and the truth of it is, if you ask me as Peter Beardsley to recite Hamlet, I couldn't. Although I used right. to do that as Chris Eubank, but just for the little cartoony bit of it, and that was yeah. I was just going for the comedy, so it didn't matter that you know I could only do five words. Um, right? Did you, were there because you do long form Absolutely. songs? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, there are so many people that I that I say, ooh, this is this is sort of what I call. We may have spoken about this before, and sort of like mm. a little I call it like a little cheating. It's like well, I don't really do this person, but like every time I make that noise or say that one phrase or sing that one phrase, everyone knows who it is, and that's enough to sort of throw in somewhere if you need it in in, in an act yeah. or a song or a bit. Uh, musically, it's difficult in a, in a different way, only because it has to fit in as a piece of a puzzle, particularly if it's a um, a piece of music that that artist hasn't sung before. But oh, speaking impressions, yeah, there, there are so many where I go, oh, I don't, I don't really do that person. Somebody asked me recently. I'm bringing it up, and I'm going to do a, a, a crap job of it because um, I'm not prepared. But one of the I, I'm doing more singing is Ariana Grande, and oh. uh, she's someone who, when people impersonate, much like the Judy Garland thing, she has a very, she has a really light voice. People go, hey, I'm Ariana Grande, and they go up really, really high. 
And I always thought, well, that's not very accurate. You know, I'll just do it the way she does, which is kind of like, hey, I'm in here. Kind of like a, I'm a little bit covered and it's the back of my throat. If I go back farther, I'm Ellen Page. And if I bring it forward, I am do my bad Ellen Generous. Uh, but it's like that covered little sound right there. And I had to do it for one little snippet in somebody else's video that I don't know if it's posted on YouTube yet. And they sent me what I did. I was voicing something. And I said, I got to do it again. And I played it, and I, I did the Judy Garland situation that we just talked about, and I went, nope, you got to go for the cartoon of it. And I went, mm-hmm. ah, 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 and all of a sudden, the whole thing clicked, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it flew really well. Yeah. Uh, there are a few people like that where I can just make a few noises, I think. Yeah. Like, I, I always say this, and, and as as you will hear, not give too much away to the listeners, but, but there is, I was given some share today, and I always choose to avoid share. I don't particularly do a, a good share and it's not because I don't know how to uh, dissect it and it's not because I don't love her I love her but it's because my voice doesn't naturally sit that low mm. so whenever I push it to a place that's lower particularly the speaking like the speaking voice is like well it's part of that thing when I push it there then I lose all flexibility to play with it I can place it but I can't play with it so make, singing is very difficult mm. And my only, you know, the only way I kind of feel better about it, I'm like, oh, come on, almost everybody can do a share. Why can't you do a share? Well, I don't really know many people who can also do Kristen Chenoweth and share. So I'd like to think that my voice just like has its <laughs> has its positive <laughs> things and its negative parts. Even Cher has to play around with it, doesn't she? Oh, yeah, those, <laughs> it's that, it's that exactly. whole auto-tune think, thing. After a while, she said, she always thought, I don't really sound like Cher, but if I play around with it in the studio. Well, do that. that's it. I mean, somebody once asked me if I did Mariah Carey, and I can't do her for, for many reasons, but she has a very raspy voice. Her voice is nothing like mine, but her natural speaking tone is rasp. It's this, it's it's sort of like sandpaper, but in a, in a, a kind of smooth, like it's, it's beautiful. Sandpaper smooth. Good, Christina. What I mean is it doesn't sound, <laughs> it doesn't sound gravelly, but there's so much scratch to it. There's no way I could replicate it. It's, it's more dollar bills than sandpaper. Yeah, and there you go. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, people always ask me, and I, I, I love Mariah, but I say I love Mariah of old, Mariah that actually sang in her concerts. So when someone says, do you do Mariah Carey? I say, no, but I don't think Mariah does Mariah anymore either. <laughs> so it's an easy way out. Sorry, Absolutely. that was a long answer. You forgot you were talking to an Italian. I was going to ask you about this because perhaps well, perhaps I'll save it because actually you're, you're about to do a sketch for us now. This is a, a great sketch, particularly for me, because I don't have to do anything apart from sit back and enjoy it. And Rory, you too. You can you can just chill out, you know, <laughs> in Oxfordshire mm. and uh, and listen to uh, Christina and the Beasts. Um, <laughs> no pressure on me here. <laughs> no no <laughs> pressure. You've only got to do uh, Julie Andrews, Bette Midler, Celine Dion, Cher and Adele and, and, and others. And it's a, it's a little medley. I just wanted to say that it's written by one of my, my favourite writers, Rachel E. Thorne. She's written a few sketches for the show and I wanted to mention her uh, specifically because she's, um, she's in a sketch show of her own, uh, which is called Loveful. And I promised to uh, to tell the listeners about this. It's um, at the space on the Isle of Dogs on the 21st and 22nd of May. Uh, there's also a live stream, uh, which is, uh, oh, I'm going to read this blooming URL out. It's HTTPS uh, colon forward slashes and so on. Uh, space.org. <laughs> space.org.uk. You make a brilliant job, Simon. She'll be thrilled. <laughs> 
Sorry about this, Rachel. Um, sorry, space.org.uk forward slash event forward slash lovefall dash live stream. So do go and listen to that. This um, then is a sketch uh, for Christina and uh, take <laughs> Take it away. Take it away. Well, so I will say this is so this is so clever and it's so sweet of her to do this. It is difficult for me. So we're going to dive in acapella here. And if I pick a, a lousy key, I am stuck with it for a while until I must change keys. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, everyone knows this song. Hopefully I can make it clear acapella. Little voice. My name's Christina. Every day I want to sing as me. It's my voice, but these famous singers ring me up to say. It says medley of voices. <laughs> to me! To me! To me! To me! To me! <laughs> Here comes Adina, I'm the one from Frozen. Why don't you give my voice a go? Impersonating me, we'll get you on TV. But once you start, you can't just let it go. See what I did there? Um, Julie Andrews, look here. Oh, I'm going to modulate. Look, here I come, my name is Julie Andrews, but I shall never sing again. Oh, my surgery went wrong, I need you to sing my song, but at least our lovely queen made me a dame. Do me, oh, it's going to get high, I'm lowering the key again. Do me, <laughs> do me. Okay, my name's Matt Midler. I sing so loud, don't need a mic. I use this voice to sing my ballads. It makes me wonder what my voice sounds like. <sighs> Celine Dion, changing keys again. Look, here I come. I am a French Canadian. Oui, je m'appelle Celine Dion. When you forget that I exist, I release another disc. But I warned you that my heart goes on and on. <laughs> Cher. Oh, it's too high for Cher, so... Oh, isn't Cher amazing? She told us that it was in his kiss. <laughs> She sounds a bit alarming, but her voice is great if you just want to take the piss. <laughs> no. Okay, Adele. No, it's no wonder I won 15 Grammys. Hello, it's me. My name's Adele. But now it seems to me we should let Christina be. We really like to hear her voice. If I could just sing in my voice, then you would know what I sound like as well. Oh, come on, come on. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, absolutely. Oh, my Lord. Honestly. I'm so sorry, Rachel, for changing those keys, but I had to. <laughs> That was utterly stunning. And I tell you what, what I absolutely loved there was when you turned into Adele and you acquired the Tottenham accent, um, which was which was fantastic. 
Because I was going to ask you about this. Now we've got you in performing seal mode. Um, <laughs> you, you did. That was magnificent, honestly. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. We, in the previous show, when we when we met, you did Catherine Parkinson. And I a thought that's... A person of favourite of mine, yes, thank you. <laughs> it was such a... So off... I mean, where did that come from? It, it's brilliant. Um, it, it, it genuinely came, it's, it's like you said, some voices sort of just present themselves to you and mm. some I, I, I know I should be able to do and I try and I try, I feel like I've got the right placement and I can't do it. But all of a sudden I'm watching the IT crowd on one of the thousands of shows that Catherine Parkinson is on on television. <laughs> yeah, she works yeah. nonstop. And I, I think I was, I was watching more, you know, a few episodes back to back, not quite a binge watch, but, and I was just sort of repeating the things that she was saying. And I always say this about her. My favorite thing about Catherine Parkinson is that she could say something that has so much severity and intensity, but the speed at which she talks about it and the tone that she's presenting it with remains the same. So the building is on fire, but I see still sounds calm and it's it's just one of my favorite things about her and i just was doing it i remember very distinctly my husband being like you're kind of stuck in this voice and it was one of the first times i realized that i could be stuck in a voice um yeah and and she has been great so apparently uh the, the director of the it crowd saw that i put a, a bit of her into a video on, on Twitter or YouTube, how he saw it, I don't know, and, and sent it to her. Um, and so we actually got in contact with each other and she said, I, I had no idea that I sounded like that. But, but apparently my director and my husband also said that it's true. So thank you. Um, it's a, so it's, it's a been great. Gorgeous, it's a gorgeous impression. <laughs> now look, I'm conscious of time running out on our, uh, on our Zoom call. So I thought what we'll do, thank you for Catherine Parkinson, that was great. Okay. You're now going to Podcast is sponsored by the Parkinson Society. By the way. <laughs> yeah. You're now going to do uh, in a new sketch with uh, Ellen DeGeneres and um, James Corden. Now, uh, Rory and I have been fighting not to do James Corden prior to this, <laughs> but I'm going to let Rory do it. This is written by somebody called Kate Lipson, and you may you may recognise that uh, she shares a surname with me. It's my daughter, oh, and. Wow. Um, She's currently studying at the National Film Theatre School uh, on the comedy course there. She's a really brilliant comedy writer. And I said to her, look, send me loads of sketches. She said, right, Dad, yeah, okay. She sent me one. <laughs> and, I, and I honestly think this took her about a minute and a half. But let's, let's, um, let's do this sketch because we are very short of time. Uh, it's uh, sure. Ellen DeGeneres and James Corden. So this is frightening as heck for me, but here we go. <laughs> uh, uh, hey. Hey, uh, hello, and uh, welcome back to The Ellen Show. Uh, now I know that, that some of you might have heard that uh, I haven't been so kind around the workplace, but uh, and I, I don't think that's true. So, um, no, I've invited the nicest guy I know to talk about being nice. Please welcome James Corden. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, that's enough. <clears throat> uh, hey, James, how you doing? I am. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, is this my coffee? Uh, uh, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it, ah, what the fuck is this? I asked for a cappuccino. This is a latte. Uh, uh, oh, we could edit this bit out, yeah? Oh, oh yeah, we, we will absolutely be editing that out. Tony, leave this bit in. I like the comparison. Uh, now, James, uh, y you were uh, recently in the movie The Prom uh, playing a gay man. Yeah, well, I did a lot of research for the role. I watched Queer Eye and nothing else, so I don't want to say I'm an expert on gay men, but I do know what I was singing about. Well, makes sense. Uh, uh, okay, so uh, here's your new coffee. Hopefully it's right this time. Uh, now tell us, how did oh, you... Oh, it's a uh, flat white! 
That's even further away. God, what kind of show are you running here? Uh, oh, boy. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Tony, we got that on tape, right? Awesome. Thank God for the editors. Uh, thank God for the editors. <laughs> you know, without them, that clip of you punching a child who asked for your autograph? Uh, no, no, I, I do not recall that. Uh, uh, was it filmed around the same time you pushed your intern down the stairs for getting you the wrong salad? A.K.A. a uh, salad? Oh, I remember you were there for that. You were queuing to also push your intern down those stairs. Yeah, okay, now, now you see, uh, in the U.S., uh, we'd say I was in line to push an intern down the stairs. In line. Got it. Very nice of you to help me learn the American vocabulary. Well, what can I say? Uh, I am a very kind person. Uh, right, we're going to take a quick break, and in that time, I'm going to break someone else. Tony, come here. going to slap you silly. <laughs> <laughs> well done, you two. Well done, because sure. I, I was watching the clock there as it was coming. <laughs> Me down. too. I was doing a speed read. <laughs> well done. Well done, indeed. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it's in interesting. I, I liked your James Corden, Rory. I was a real James Corden, you said it would be rubbish, and oh man, that well, was great. We that high pitch and the laugh and stuff. But uh, there was Lewis does a very good Lewis McLeod does a very good um, James Corden, and it's, yeah. it is it's it's high pitch, it's the laugh, and it's the energy, isn't it? It's, it's just yeah. and that sense of wonder. But that's just amazing, you know, everybody and the karaoke. <laughs> it's it's all it's it's big energy, isn't it? Thank you for that. Mom. That uh, wraps up part one of this show with Rory Bremner and <laughs> Christina Bianco. Not necessarily in that order. Thanks for listening to part one of this recording with Christina Bianco and Rory Bremner. Part two will appear later in the series. If you enjoyed the show, why not drop us a five-star review and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or your chosen podcast platform. Come and follow us on Twitter at Voice Maestros. I'll be dropping clips of the recordings, bits of inside info, links to the shows there. Uh, and there's all that and more, including all the sketches, on our website, www.voicemaestros.com. Oh, and we've also got a Making an Impression Facebook page. If you'd like to write for the show, why not get in touch? Join us next time. <laughs>